Hey, welcome to the Coaching Minds podcast brought to you by Mental Training Plan, the podcast that provides coaches with the tools and techniques to help their athletes develop a strong mindset and perform at their best. Very special guest today, Liz Howarth. Thank you so much for joining us on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. So I, I do want to start off um, just in just in case you're turning on this podcast and you are one of these people. Um, you know, since I contacted Liz, I've had two different two different teams communities organizations um that that lost a loved one um i've had a couple teams that have had players well one that got hurt and he's going to be out for the season he's trying to figure out how do i handle you know the loss of this season i've got another team that they've had you know a couple players move away and you know now it's sort of like well they're not here anymore. Um, th- this isn't about any of those. We're, we're not on here to talk about any of those specific stories. This is, you know, I'm, I'm assuming if you're listening to this podcast, it's because you're dealing with grief of some kind. Um, and, and that's, you know, that, that starts to get a little bit out of my wheelhouse. And so I, I wanted to bring an expert in and just, and have a conversation with her. Um, and my therapist actually recommended Liz to us. Um, so Liz, if you could just give us kind of a quick summary of who you are and what you do. Um, we're, we're excited about getting to know you today. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So I'm Liz and I'm a licensed mental health counselor. Um, I work at pathways to healing counseling. So, um, it's actually in Noblesville. So we work with a variety of people. We're all EMDR trained. So I work with a lot of trauma based spaces. Um, grief is definitely a part of all that process. Um, and then, my prior life, I was also an athlete and played basketball and other sports. So I'm a huge fan of that integration piece that's needed for like our whole self. So I'm excited to be here and get to chat. For me personally, when, you know, we're, we're talking about one of these situations, um, and, and I guess let, let's start with the toughest one, let, you know, dealing with somebody who's passed away, whether that's a loved one, whether that's a teammate, whether that's a coach, um, you know, there's almost this, what do I even do? Where do I even begin kind of feeling, um, you know, and, and even kind of inter intermixed with I'm dealing with the loss. I'm going through my own grief process. How in the world am I going to be available to my, to my players, to my team? Like how, how can I even help them when, when I'm in a pretty rough spot? Um, as you think about that, what, what advice would you have for, you know, that, that coach that's, just recently had someone, a loved one that we've lost. How do we, how do we even begin? Yeah. You know, as you're talking, I'm thinking I need to share a little bit more of, cause grief is such an experience and it's such, there's so much to it. It's like a whole body experience. And, um, so sharing a little bit more about not just the clinical side, but personally, um, I lost my dad a year ago and um, he was very young. And so walking with someone in that process and that that death process. Um, and then I've also had, you know, different heartbreaks and broken things and then teammates who've gotten cancer, um, things like that, where so I think when you bring all this up, it's like it stirs up like my body feels it. Right. It's yeah, like, oh, for sure. It so yeah. I think if anyone feels that, like, you know, just naming what it is, number one, is I think so important. Um because especially when and when we are trained or wired to be resilient and persevere and have goals and win a game and lead and champion, you know, I think that that can be a lane where the grief, when it pops up, it feels slow. It can feel like you're trudging through mud. It can feel like, where's the path? Like, and so it, there's like this both and that can happen. And so I think first step really, and this is from personal experience, not just like as a counselor, because we all, you know, we're all humans, is to just be able to recognize and name like what we're experiencing and have really good, safe people to get to share that with. Um, So as a coach, right? Like, I mean, there's one experience of not only holding space and leading a team and leading, you know, younger individuals through it, but also needing to be that safe space. And so that would kind of offer its own process. And then for the athletes themselves, right? Like how to have that camaraderie, how to have that safety. 
um, and what that looks like. So I guess those are two different veins, but naming it is, I think, like very important to be able to say it without feeling shame around it because we're just humans. And, you know, our audience is primarily coaches who, you know, I'm assuming are listening to this podcast, wondering how do I help my team walk through this? And, you know, there there is that balance of, you know, we, we want to have like this this safe space where, you know, we cross this line and we put all of the pain and sorrow and suffering off to the side. Because, you know, if your girlfriend breaks up with you and you go out and have a bad practice, you're not getting better. If you had an argument with your mom and you, you know, whatever, whatever that bad situation was, we're trying to tell them, leave that at the door. We're trying to tell them, come out here and perform at a high level, you know, because if, if everybody who was dealing with heartache, hardship, adversity in their life just didn't practice, then on the days that, you know, they were feeling that we would never have practice because there's always something going on. But then, you know, this is different. Like, how do we, what's that balance look like between, okay, now it's practice time and we're going to set aside all of these emotions that we're dealing with, that we're struggling with, or or, or we're going to do something with them and and we're going to try and practice versus, you know, then we still need to take the time as a team to come together to have those conversations like that. That's that feels overwhelming. Uh, it feels overwhelming to me. So I'm assuming there's other coaches out there feeling something similar. What's that balance look like? Yeah, well, I think that that would be that's a great question. And I think that's that's something that we could write a book on. So maybe I'll get on that. But I feel like when you know, when you're sharing that, too, again, I hear the both ends and there is some right like acknowledging when you come to practice, like you said, life is happening, like we're all having life happen. Um, and there is some value, a great value in learning how to um, kind of switch gears, put, put stuff down to show up and then let your body move and like kind of get in a different space. I think there's a lot of good health to that as well, right? Like our brain health, our body health, our mental health, we need to be able to have some boundary and some separation in order, you know, to heal and grow. So I think that is valuable. Number one, I think that's valuable. I think it's how it's done. So it's more, it's less of, um, like in my experience, you know, there's the, like, leave everything at the door and then go practice. But then when you leave, you've still got all that. And I think it's, it's kind of allowing relationship to be built between coaches and players, right? Like you, you could speak to this better than me, but you know, your players, you know, your team. So at the, at the end of the day, like, yeah, if, you know, Susie breaks up with Tommy, then like, okay, like we've got to figure that one out. But if like someone's gone and there's like, you know, it's a collective felt sense on the presence of the team, it probably needs to be addressed. And so I'm wondering, like, you know, even asking you, like, what are your thoughts as a coach on how would you like address like a team situation versus an individual situation? Like just from your perspective, how would you see that? Well, I'm the podcast host and I'm supposed to ask questions, not answer them. But no, I'm I'm totally kidding. I'm glad you I'm glad you asked this because this literally happened to us. Um, and you know we were we were at team camp and it was kind of like there were some players that were hurting. There were some players that were in a tough spot. And you know, I actually brought up like, hey, I, I'm hurting not just because he's not here on the football field. I'm hurting because my best friend isn't here. What do I do with that? Um, you know, and we were talking a little bit about going through a, the grief process and what that looks like. Um, you know, I, I won't say that I got everything perfect or I got everything right, but I, I don't think that's necessarily the focus. I think it's it's more of a, are you going to be there? Are you going to show up? Are you going to build that relationship? Are you going to build that connection and let that player know I'm here for you and I care about you? Um, I, I think you know, more so than having to get it all right or say all the right things. Um, so, you know, it, it's kind of tough because it's like on, on one hand, there are times where we have to set it aside and we have to go move around as you put it. Um, yeah. and you know, violently collide with each other on a football field yeah, and get it out right. Yeah. And, and then, you know, having some space after that to, to have conversation and not just, you know, not forget these are people that this isn't, you know, this isn't like a video game and I'm just moving these kids around and trying to win. 
this is these are people we're in this together um and, and we're trying to we're trying to work through this or as you said kind of sludge through that trudge through that mud like that that's what it feels like um so i i don't know that yeah. that's what we did how, how yeah. what do you think no. yeah i love that no cuz i think that's like when you're talking through this cuz these are so specific to different people and probably hearing you share that was huge because like you're the coach in it and when you're talking through that like i'm hearing like you've got you've got your systems and your goals and your space for like the team and the play and the getting it out with the energy and the body right and then you've got the relationship and i think that relationship part is, is that is like key. And like, I mean, I'm a counselor, coaches, teachers, like people that are in helping professions, like you kind of get in it for reasons. Like you want right. to develop, you want to grow, you want to see movement, growth orientedness, you know, that kind of thing. Um, but I do think within like, you know, the coaching realm, it's helpful maybe to have some education on what is grief, just so like there's an idea of kind of like a game plan. <laughs> like, okay, so like, yeah. what am I working with? Like, what could they be experiencing? Because we have so much neuroscience now that knows it, like our emotions live in our body. So again, I understand, I understand athletics. It's not just going to be like, oh, you feel sad. So you don't have to practice today. Like, you know, that's probably not going to happen unless it's an extreme situation. And that makes sense and all that kind of stuff. But I think from the standpoint of just knowing how it's going to impact somebody, it can, it can understand what their performance might look like or what, kind of motivation they might need in order to perform like those kind of things. I think it's, it's much more what's behind it than what's actually like happening, you know? So I'm thinking like basic stages of grief. So like initially, you know, like your player, like the players are gone. So they might have a little like shock or like denial, right? Like, Oh, they're not here anymore. Like, it's kind of like our body is like, wait, what? Like that was like a part of my arm and now it's not here. Yeah. I don't know what to do with that. Like it kind of, it kind of can feel that way a little bit. Um, and then, and then we can move into like, and these are not linear by the way, these are like circular. And so they can come up at any point in any way, in any order, but we've got anger. And so anger can be a very like movement oriented emotion. Like we're going to get things done. We're going to, you know, I'm mad, I'm frustrated. I'm pushing through like, you know, that kind of a situation. Um, And anger can also help set boundaries. So that might come out. I mean, it could come out a myriad of ways, but it might come out with defensive behavior too. Like you might, you might see more defenses come up. Like, um, I don't want to, you know, I don't know what that looks like, but like, I don't want to be here or like, I, um, you know, I'm mad at the whole world. Like I are mad at themselves. Like, I don't know if I can do this. I suck. Like, you know, you might see things like maybe the downward mental spiral a little bit in that. Um, but it's really like that anger needing to come up and out. That'd be a great time to move the body and get something moving through. Um, and then typically also bargaining can happen. Like, oh, if only I would have done this, then this wouldn't have happened. Or, you know, there's all that like magical thinking of if I only knew what I didn't know, or if I only, you know, X, Y, Z um, that can come up. And that's really a protective thing too, right? Because it's our brain trying to process this loss that shouldn't have happened. And then we go, then we can go into like a depression when that doesn't work. It's like, oh, we kind of go into this depressive state of like, just kind of like things might not feel as good. We might not feel as like energetic or maybe not want to eat the same things or stuff doesn't bring us the same joy. We're not happy. Like, oh, that's funny, but I don't feel it. Um, A little disconnection there from the positive. Um, which is also normal. And it doesn't mean that someone is clinically depressed. It it can just mean you're going through a state of that depression as you're grieving and mourning, again, losing a part of your arm. Um, and then typically we can come at some point over time to like that acceptance. And that acceptance is really where, you know, <laughs> it doesn't mean you're still not going to feel the anger, the shock, the I wish they were here. I wish this was different. But it's going to be that there's a there's a, a, a piece to it almost like, oh, I've accepted this is what it is. I have alignment within myself that I know this is what happened. And these feelings are still going to be there, but I'm tracking with it as it is. Um, does that all make sense? Absolutely. And, you know, that was that was actually going to be my next question was, can we kind of go through sort of the the basic stages of of what that's going to look like and you know from a from a coaching perspective i think that's <clears throat> i think that's difficult because you know 
even even within the same practice, we had we had some players that were just depressed and sad, and we had other players that were pissed. Um, and you know, we had some players that the the bargaining that had I only done this, maybe it would be different. Um, you know, we. we we weren't really getting into the acceptance phase yet, except for, you know, maybe some of the kids that, you know, didn't even know those guys, but you know, how do you, how do you then in, in the middle of a practice deal with kids like, on you know, on one hand over here, you've got this kid that just, I mean, he's just bummed to even be out there and you're just trying to get him to go hard so he doesn't get hurt versus you know maybe in a tackling right. drill against this kid who's got the most anger and rage that he's ever felt and he wants to go take somebody's head off like how, how do you balance that between you know because as coaches we're we're not just dealing with this this stuff inside of ourselves but we're dealing with a whole bunch of players that are interacting with each other that are then also feeling all of these yeah absolutely that absolutely cuz people are i think you bring up a really good point people are different places with that grief and it looks different and it will process through differently. So like different time frames. I think, yes, absolutely. Um, you know, and I think this is where I, I know this is a conversation, but I'd throw it back of like, there's probably different leadership styles that people take on this. And For so sure. I don't want to like speak to, you know, I can't speak to all that because we're not in a group room with everybody, but I do feel when you're talking about this, I just think the basic tenets of, can you address what's happening? Like, and what does that look like in your leadership style? Because if we hide, avoid, if we do that, especially with kids and teens, what we know developmentally, they internalize it as sometimes like shame or there's something wrong with them. And we don't want that to happen. So speaking about it, saying it is actually a good thing. And it shows like it gives them a container to be like, oh, I'm okay. Like this is, this is a normal thing. Like, and really a lot of times that's kids, teens are pretty resilient. Like, and so a lot of times that's all they need is that like, so we call it like a secure base. They need like a container with a secure person that can name the thing. And yeah, maybe we need to move on now at this point and we have some direction, but we can circle back to it after practice, a team meeting, maybe assistant coach pulls one over, like, you know, that kind of a thing. I think there's a dynamic though to naming it and holding that space to just say, here's some direction to it. And I know this is what's happening. We're not going to ignore it right now. Here's what we need to go do. Does that make sense? Ab yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you know, kind of, kind of even gets back to that's just that's coaching in a nutshell, right? Like, if you're really, if you're really going to get the best out of your athletes, you have to get to know them and know what drives them and know what what hold you know what fears hold them back. Is that you know, I need to feel like I can do this. Is it, I need to mentally understand what I'm doing. So I'm not overthinking. Um, so, I mean, that, that makes complete sense. And I, and I, I really like what you said about having that kind of secure base and then, okay, now it's time to move forward, but we can circle back and we can come back to that. Um, I, I, I love that. You know, but before we started talking today, you briefly just mentioned, you know, the the different types of loss and the different types of grief. They're they're similar, but you know, they they have their own uniqueness to them as well. Um, let let's shift if if you don't mind to you know helping this athlete who you know we're in the middle of the season and now ACL, MCL whatever, fill in the blank with whatever injury, they now have the rest of that season pulled out from underneath them. Um, where do you, I mean, where do you even begin? Because I'm sure we have coaches that are, you know, getting ready. Maybe they're listening to this podcast on the drive over to the hospital to go see this kid who just blew out his knee in practice. Like, what do we, what do we do? Where do we start? Yes. Ugh, I like feel that too. It's like we can all. It's, it's awful. Yeah. Oh, like ow. Yeah. Um, and you know what? Actually, that's a good starting point is empathy. I think like you know allowing. And here's the thing: empathy. And I guess you know breaking this down, it doesn't have to look like it's not coddling, right? It's not like oh, you know, I don't know, you poor poor thing. Let's like you know there isn't there there can get a rap to some of that sometimes. And I think empathy is just 
owning, like knowing our own experiences to be able to put ourselves in their shoes. Right. So like, I think number one, if you're going to ask integration points on this is like for, for coaches to like gather their own empathy space there of like, cause they've done this forever. Like, you know, you guys know thing we've had injuries, sports world, like stuff comes up over and over again. Nothing's new. Right. In a lot of ways. And so it's, um, I think one is just like tapping into that. Like, this isn't just, you know, a goal to be fixed. This is a human, like you said, that like has an injury. So we're going to pull up a little bit of the empathy, like, ah, that sucks. Right. <laughs> like this is not fun. This sucks. Um, and I know at the same time, you all have like strategies and planning and caring for the, the team and wanting to win games and figure it all out and build programs. So I think like that, that can really humanize the thing though, is like one, just pulling into our own felt experience. Um, and that pulls us out of our head. So Again, that could be uncomfy sometimes, but I think it's necessary for that connection. And sometimes that like that connection is what helps motivate the player to be like, oh, yeah, like I'm going to be okay, and I can get through this and do what they need to do to get better. So I think there is an element like we find in so much research that connection is so important. So, again, it doesn't have to look like a five hour counseling session or a like, you know, we're sitting there in this emotion for hours. Like it can just be a felt sense and like and I see you kind of a moment. Um, so that's one, I think that's really important. But beyond that, when you talk about types of grief and like, what do we do with that? So when, like when someone, when someone dies and they pass, you know, that is, there's a, even though there might not be closure in the relationship, which is something that is processed and dealt with at a deep level, that person is gone. Right. And so there is a, that's a, that is a unique space where it holds its own grief and own space to that. And that is the process we've talked about. That's, you know, unique to each person. And I don't want to compare because nothing is better or worse. <laughs> that's not how grief works. We don't want to compare. Um, but there are different, there's a different type called ambiguous loss. Um, and I'd say that type is more when let's say the person is still here, but they're not on the team or I'm still here and able to do things, but I have this injury. And so now I've lost what a season I've lost a little bit of my identity for a little bit, right? Yeah. Like if you're a teen and you're playing football and it's like, darn it, like, you know, so I think there's, there are those losses or relationship or camaraderie, you know, or whatever that is a loss of a year of high school, you know, in some ways. And I think that ambiguous loss is something that we can have and it's not tangible. Like it's like out there, but it's not like able to be made tangible. And so we can feel like, well, what do we do with that? Is it a loss? We can dismiss it, you know, like kind of work our way around that as opposed to just make like naming it and, and trying to find some ways to provide, you know, some closure to that or some acknowledgement. So we can then grieve it and move through it. So, you know, uh, another, another topic that we had briefly talked about, you know, beforehand was this, you know, kind of the idea of transitions, um, you know, COVID is the obvious, you know, crazy jarring event that we all went through co collectively, um, you know, but even like the, the end of a season, you know, we, we lose the best quarterback receiver in school history. Well, now what are we going to do? Or, you know, this, the softball player who's been the starting pitcher for the last four years is no longer a part of our program. Or, you know, I make the jump from this small little private middle school up to this giant high school or these, these transition events that, you know, as you said, are jarring. Um, how do we, how do we deal with those? Yeah. Yeah. I'm so glad we're talking about this because I really feel like, you know, that's something that we as a practice talked a lot about with COVID because it was such a big transition that obviously we all were not anticipating, but noticing how much grief that brought up for people like, and within ourselves, like within myself as well, but just noticing, we're seeing a pattern of that, even like obviously outside of COVID seeing like, oh, when, like you said, like when people aren't on the team anymore, or, oh, this season's done or, oh, I'm no longer, I'm graduating high school and I don't have, right. Like I don't have, um, my same identity piece. Like it, it really, the transition piece, like all those examples you gave, they stir up our whole body. Cause it's like, we don't have the same consistency, the same rhythm, the, um, you know, what we're used to. And so much in athletics is that rhythm and developing like, you know, this, this, whole movement moving forward together. And so when a piece leaves that it's felt, 
right? And it's not just known and then yeah. how we strategize. That's true. And also it's a felt sense. And so I really feel like that is one of those pieces. Again, I'm just giving process space. There aren't answers. There's process, right? Like you've just got to acknowledge that the transition is going to bring, is going to stir that up and allowing yourself to kind of go deeper with it a little bit. Like, okay, is that bringing up some fear for me? Like, are like, am I afraid that like, we're not going to, you know what I mean? Do whatever. Cause it's just naming it and acknowledging that to kind of then, then have clarity, a lot of times when we move through transition, we do it differently. Some people push through, some people shut down a little bit. And so we've got to kind of notice that in ourselves and kind of name what's happening if we can track with it and just try to, you know, let ourselves acknowledge again what we're experiencing so we can move through it. And that again, that's just, that could be as simple as, oh, like a little bit of panic because three star players left and I'm feeling the pressure, you know, whatever that is. It's just acknowledging it. And I'm going to say again, I feel like when we've been talking, accountability spaces of like having a couple close people to bounce things off of, especially in roles that can be isolating and pressure filled is super important. I love that you said we don't need answers or fixes. We need processes. Like to me, that that feels reassuring on a topic that's completely overwhelming and very intimidating to me. I can do that. Like that, that gives me, that gives me a little bit of comfort knowing that, you know, our, our players, like you said, are resilient. Um, but they do need to be able to process stuff, you know, as a coaching staff, we got some pretty bad news about something that was going on. And it was like, everybody was sad and then everybody was pissed and then it was like, all right, we got to, you know, we got to work through this. And we were literally going to a meeting and it was like, all right, we've got like the walk over there to be pissed off. And then we got to put our coach face on because they're going to be looking at us and we got to let them know, like, we're going to make it through this. This is hard. This is tough. This sucks. But we've got a plan moving forward. So like we, we had to process ourselves. So to, you know, to think that, the players aren't going to need that same time or that same, you know, that same space to be able to, yes, absolutely. To be able to kind of process that and work through it on their own is, is ridiculous. Um, so that, that's, I'm, I'm really glad that you said that. I, I think that's a huge take home just from, for me, from our conversation here. Um, something that, you know, I can help athletes process through things. That's way less intimidating than trying to fix them. Oh, I love that. Yes. You know what? And when you say that, I didn't even think that, like, again, because I'm in a different land, I'm like, oh, well, I didn't think you would think you can fix them. Like, you know what I mean? Like, right. that would be something you felt like you had to do. What pressure that would be to have that. Yeah. No. And even when you talk about, like, what do we do? It's like, when you do that and you're in that process, like, that's the ebb and flow of the both and, right? Like, it's not a fixed thing. It's, open and yeah that's you know that's what you guys do every day so that's so cool i'm so glad that 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 came out and i think a good tell on that is when we feel like oh crap pressure like pressure like it's our responsibility to do something with it it's that we can't like we feel helpless right I, that's a good tell of like oh i'm trying to fix it and i can't okay what what space needs to happen here yeah. what needs to just be acknowledged and like and let the process be yeah. you know cuz that that's the opposite of my natural instinct like my natural instinct as a football coach is oh the defense did this well that's okay we're gonna do this oh well this happened that's okay i'm gonna fix it this way oh you know now we're down on the goal line well we're gonna make these changes we're gonna make these adjustments like that's that's just how i'm i'm constantly just trying to fix and solve and plan and so yeah and then kind of the the next phase that you brought up um, briefly there that, you know, I, I would like to dive into because unfortunately, you know, the, the reality of life, you know, you, you had already mentioned that you lost your father. You know, I recently here lost my uncle. We had a community member that passed away. We've, you know, my brother's had in the past players that have passed away at his school, coaches that have passed away from his school. I mean, we all, we all unfortunately are going to experience loss. And, you know, that's, that's even kind of a, a whole nother level. Um, and, it, and I think brings with it its own just heart wrenching challenges because, you know, again, take the, 
take the situation that we were talking about before, you know, from a, from a coaching perspective, it's different when, you know, a, a player moves away or, you know, a kid tears an ACL or that, that player's not participating in the sport anymore. Um, but you know, that that's, that's not that same gut wrenching feeling. Um, you know, and then just from, you know, my own personal experience, add in the whole, the, the, the fact that it's gut wrenching to me, you know, in those other situations, I feel like, well, it's okay. This happens all the time. Next man up, we've got to have our backups ready. We've got to have the next person in, but th- this is just a, a whole nother animal. Um, where do you, where do you kind of, where do you kind of begin with, with this one? Yeah. And with this one, you're meaning when someone passes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, all the feels on these, right? Yeah. Um, I think you begin in the same spot, but it's, it's, it's recognizing and acknowledging. And I, I have to talk about this because I think it's a really good tool. Um, but it's a way to like, kind of notice, like, again, like what is happening in your body? Like if I could, 100% 100% just been like, if you pay attention to your body, it's going to tell you like what's going on. And so for example, like our emotions there, right? So if you feel like a tightness in your chest or in your throat or, you know, any of that, it could be some sadness or some fear that's coming up. If you kind of feel that like energy in your hands or like you want to push off or like go hit something, right? Like that's that anger coming up. And, um, you know, like our bodies actually hold disgust, like, as in like, if we're like just so Ugh, by something that like, it makes us want to throw up. Like we all have had that experience maybe with a food or a situation right. or whatever. And so like, it's literally like, I think a lot of this, and especially in athletic world, like people do pay attention to their bodies, but we also don't like, yeah. And, and so, we're, we're taught to ignore pain and push through pain yes. a lot of times. And there's like a, there's a gold medal awarded if you're tough enough to be able to overcome, you know, your finger was dislocated, but you just popped it back in and played the next play. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And and I want to say, I think there is some, there is some really good stuff. It's a both and there's some really good stuff to having an ability to have that resilience. Like resilience is a skill that like we need, right? Like, and there are times and places for things, right? So, so when we don't have that same thing or when we're like, oh, we can't access it, or it's not the time for it. Like this isn't the time to push. This is the time to pause. And those are those like really wise bits for like leaders to see, like, and maybe that's a timing thing too, um, because there are just times where you you can't push through and you don't need to, like, that's actually going to be worse, you know? Um, and so I think there is that, that element, but when you ask like what to do in those situations, I mean, I, I think it's the same stuff of like you pause and you've got to notice where you're at. Like if there's dissociation can happen. And when major grief happens like that, or like tragic, traumatic grief. So there's also grief, right? Like I lose, like I lose someone and it's very hard, very hard. And, um, you, let's say we got closure or we had a relationship, you know, or I knew it was coming and that doesn't make it easy, but there isn't the like trauma bit necessarily all the time around it. When something happens suddenly, or like there's a trauma that happens with it, it's traumatic grief. So now we've got all this electric energy around all that process. So what happens is, is our brain is like, guess what? Nope not, we can't process this. So I'm kicking it down into the body. And that's where we get all of those, like people might start to have shallow breathing or have a little panickiness or trouble sleeping or, you know, all that kind of stuff. And so the first step I think we want to do is like track with ourselves and acknowledge again, like I'm not okay right now. Like, what do I need and resource that? So going to counseling, um, talking with someone to be on your own journey. Like it's a total individual journey and it's not meant to be compared. Um, and then finding a group of people or safe people you can talk to about it. That is so important because whenever we're isolated, like grief is meant to be like, it's meant to be seen because we need other people to support us. Like it is not an isolated event that our Western culture doesn't know what to do with a lot of times. It's like other countries, people wear black and then people know they're grieving and they're seen in it. Like we need that seenness in order to not feel all the shame and really like buckle up, buck down and push through, which is not 
not always helpful. Um, yeah. So again, there's a both and there, but I also think that there are like support places like grief share grief.com has a lot of good things. There's a lot of resources I can share another time, but as a whole, like with those people you're with, if you like break it down, the best thing you can do is just be with them. Right. Like be like, you don't have to hide it or name it or say it didn't happen. Like just ask them, how are you doing? Like, do you need anything or just show up and be there and sit with them. If they cry, they cry. You don't have to fix anything. Like there's nothing to be fixed. Right. Like it's going to be a lot of those feelings that need to come like up and out of the body. And when we allow, when we have safe space, that secure space, then it can come up and out. So I just think it's so important to just be a person like realistically that you're just like, Hey, I know that I want to show up for them. And so I'm going to do that. Like, I'm not going to be like, Oh, if I mention it, then maybe it won't like just ask them and they can tell you. And it's not rejection if they don't want to talk. It's just, they feel seen and know, right? Like, so allowing that space just to be seen, to name things and to really pay attention to our bodies and not push through something that needs to be felt and dealt with, which is hard. This Abs- is hard. Yeah. This is not easy. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, I'm going to go back to something that you said. It's not meant to be compared because that's something that, you know, that was something that in my own kind of personal struggle with anxiety, it was like, my life isn't that hard. I should be able to handle this. Um, you know, I, I want to, I want to go back to that and I want to touch on that and just have you speak to that a little bit, you know, because there are going to be, there are going to be players who, you know, tear an ACL and now are grieving the loss of this season, but it's like, well, nobody died. I should be fine. There are going to be, you know, teams that, that lose somebody that maybe compare, well, it, you know, this team lost three people or, you know, even a, a God forbid, a, a parent loses a child and then it's like, well, but you know, this person over here lost their entire family. Like we, we can't help but compare ourselves to others. And I know, in my own my own journey on the the mental health side not necessarily the grief side you know i i experienced that and it delayed my willingness to one to get go get help um and two to to be able to work through that and heal because like you said i wasn't naming that um you know talk talk to us a little bit about maybe the listeners out there that are dealing with or are struggling with that comparison yeah Okay. I took a few notes here because there's like three parts to this. I'm like, this is good. Um, Yes, this is a huge one. And I think especially with teens and especially with sports, um, this is like huge. So a couple of things, like when you're talking and I mean, I do the same thing. We all have this, like, I can't, I can't view this as not like from a counseling perspective. So it's like when those things come up, like, well, I don't like, why am I upset? I have a great life or, oh, I don't have it as bad as X, Y, Z. My first question in that, and even for myself when I do this, is like, how is that serving me right now? Like, so for example, you know, our brain, our brain comes up with these ways to protect us. So like, you know, and if we're like at a high level, we're competing, like we are, we're in protection mode a lot of the time because we're like trying to reach a goal together and we don't have a lot of like room for all the soft stuff that's going to come up. So there's a lot of protection that's coming in there. And so I think that one of those pieces is acknowledging like, where did I learn this from? Like, did or like when you notice a kid do that, like you can kind of see like, you know, generationally how that passes down or in our own family systems or just like a way that we've learned how to like push through something. And I think that's a really good point of asking myself, like, how is this serving me? Because the things that served us once don't always serve us anymore. And we get as adults, especially coaching and all that, we get to kind of decide, okay, like when this comes up for me, or I notice this over here, you know, is that actually going to work out? Is that working for me right now? And so I think that's one piece that can come up with it is just noticing like what defenses we have. And that doesn't mean we're a defensive person. It just means like, that is a way that my brain is trying to protect me from feeling my feelings straight up. Um, and we do that because we feel like we need to. (laughs) So why do I feel like I need to protect myself from just feeling this, um, or acknowledging it or naming it? So that might be a good first like question or first space for that. But the other part, when you're talking through like comparison and like all these pieces, 
I think comparison, I know in my own life, and I'm sure, you know, if everyone, people listening could think about their own lives, like it brings up shame. It's like, oh, like better than or not good enough or, oh, that, you know, all that kind of stuff. And so I, again, I feel like that's not really getting to like where I'm at or what I, what I need, what I'm feeling, like how I want to perform, how I want to show up, those kind of things. And it really pulls us out of that. So I see that as really another form of like protection, right? Like it's like we, we, we measure up, like, are we as good as, or are we better than, and it's our safety thing. So a lot of times it's just good to acknowledge like, okay, where am I at? What am I doing? What do I need? And like with the grief cycle, especially, you know, everyone's going to be in different places. So it's really like paying attention to ourselves and being able to hold both like, okay, there are people in other parts of the world that have very much less than I have. And right now, if I don't acknowledge myself, I'm not going to really grow as a human, right? Like I've got to acknowledge I'm sad, I'm upset, and I have my own experiences that need to be validated here. And so like we've got to hold both. Like the both and I think is probably one of the most mature dynamic spaces that's very simple, but also very hard to do. So I would say with comparison, with grief, with all of that, there are so many both ands. It's not like either or. It's not like, you know, it's like both and. Like I can play and I'm pissed. I can play and I'm sad. It's not like this happened, I'm out forever. You know, like that extreme black and white thinking, like that can get in the way of like holding just like where we're actually at and it's trying to protect us. So really helping people see that and then noticing it in ourselves is is really important. The uh, I, w- I want to go back to a quote that you just said. We don't have room for the soft stuff. Because, you know, I, I find myself coaching in, you know, football, I would say traditionally has one of those, one of those cultures where it's like that, that stuff is the soft stuff. Um, how do we, how do we as coaches, you know, maybe, maybe deal with the coach um, or, or maybe get the coach on board or I, I don't know, like the coach that is real tough and gruff and, or maybe it's from an older generation who dealt with mental health very differently. And it was like, Oh, you're going to therapy. Well, what's wrong with you? You psycho. Um, how, how do we either a get them on board or B, you know, I, I don't know, maybe we're, maybe we're never going to get them on board, but we want to have them at least not do more harm than good. Like what, where, do, where do we begin with that? Yeah. Well, we've got another book question. So I think it's like my first thought was, um, well, my first thought was, how about you get out a bunch of Brene Brown books? Because all of her research is on the power of vulnerability. So I think it's interesting. And here's the tricky part. Like you can't change anyone and no one's just, you know, everyone has to want to do that. But we've seen so much that when we show up authentically or we have vulnerability, that that's actually a strength because it's our own power. And I think that dynamic, the power dynamic, that's really what we can get at, right? In some of these spaces, especially in a sports dynamic, like in essence, if we're not able to own ourselves, we are giving power to other people. That's what's happening. So even as a team, as a unit, as a player, as a coach, like being able to acknowledge that when we run into that, I think it's interesting because for me, I see that as insecurity and I see that as a lack of knowing like maybe what they're feeling. Cause they didn't know, like, it's not shame on anybody. Like people grow up in different generations and different spaces. And my gosh, like, I mean, I'm, I'm 38. So that's pretty young, but not right. Like I'm in that, like I'm old now, but I'm not. And so I'm like, like, even in my, like, I feel younger. And when I was in high school, people didn't talk about their feelings. Right. So like, it's just really blown up in the past, like 10 ish plus years. And you know, my parents, my grandparents, and you just see the generations and how people handle it. But a lot of that I think is relationship building and modeling and being ourselves, being authentic, because the reality is all that shame and all that insecurity, even within ourselves, like it can't exist in the presence of connection. So when we're connected, that changes things. And so I think that's really a heart space and a, and a mind space of like how to grow and heal and move forward. Um, which is the essence of what coaches do. Like you right. guys are constantly building connections. Right. And I, I will say this is, this is probably not one of my prouder moments as a, as a human that works in the mental health 
profession helping athletes perform at a higher level but like I came home from a therapy session and you, you know, you said Brene Brown, I just reached back and pulled out, you know, this book, Atlas of the heart, um, you know, and, and everything that we know through, through brain imaging, through neuroscience, through, you know, functional MRI scans, like we can watch emotion happen. This isn't just something that it's like, you know, let's sit around and sing Kumbaya and everybody be happy with being mediocre. And we're all going to accept ourselves. Like, I remember coming home from therapy one time and like having a conversation with my wife and feeling like, you know, all these emotions that you feel and that you're dealing with, like, you're not crazy. It turns out I just am really bad at identifying them in my own life. Um, which, you know, that's, that's a whole nother separate podcast, but it's like, that's, it, it took, it was difficult and it took work and it took time for me to even, I mean, one, to be able to say and admit, yes, this, this is something that I'm, that I'm weak in that I need to get better at. But then two, to put in the time to actually pay attention to it and, and try to improve in it. And I, and I, I think that there is a lot of value in bringing up the science behind it. And, and I'm glad that you, I'm glad, I'm glad that you touched on that. Um, are there any, you know, but before we, before we start to wrap up a little bit, are there any other, you know, sciencey tidbits out there that, you know, maybe for the, the coaches that this is kind of new to them, this is uncomfy, as you said, um, this, this isn't something that we're naturally good at. Are there, are there any other, any other books, podcasts, resources, you know, studies that it would be good for, you know, for us to dive into? Yes. Um, I think so on the, the neuroscience, I'm like the, the author is leaving my literal brain as we talk. I'm like, Oh, what's their name? It might come to me at the end, but yeah, I am so glad you brought up at of the heart. I think any of, and obviously, you know, you can skim through stuff too, or like pick it, like pick through, but Brene Brown work is awesome. But when you talk about body scans, that's who I'm trying to think of. And so I might have to get back to you on that one. Um, but we've learned that there's actual circuits like in the body that like are kind of emotional circuits that run through. And so I think that whole thing, like you're saying with the imaging, it just gives tangible it gives something tangible to this like intuitive experience that we're having that like isn't seen. Right. So it's like actually seeing that on scans is so interesting and helpful. Um, I think there's a couple of good books that I would recommend and a couple podcasts for sure. And both of these go into more of that. Um, so if you want to learn more about body and emotions and kind of the function and what all that looks like, um, the change triangle is called, it's not always depression. And that really shows a map of how, how our body works with our, with emotions and how to navigate it. Like, what do I do with it? Very practical, very, very good. So again, it's not always depression. Um, I think it's by Hillary Jacobs Hendel. And then the body keeps the score is going to be a book by, um, Vess- Vessel Van Vandelkorp, and it's a book about um, how our emotions like like live in our body and what that looks like. War vets, like all the way through things, and so it's actually a little bit of a harder read, and it's gonna bring up maybe like there's some trauma stories in there. So just side note, it might be a little triggering. It's it's heavy, but that's another resource, and he's an author and someone that you could look into. Um, David Kessler lost his son, um, and he wrote. He and um, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross have wrote two books on grief um, and grieving. And then the sixth stage of grief, he wrote one on, it's called Finding Meaning. And so that's even after that acceptance, like finding that meaning and hope and kind of what do we do with that? How do we let their legacy and who they are live on? I think this is a really, like, he's a really good resource. And this book is also very good. Um, And then grief.com is like a one-stop shop for like, any resource you're kind of looking for grief share groups. And then the owner of pathways. And I, this is not, this is just because I think it's a phenomenal podcast. It's called close the chapter. And she has. So if you look, there's so many different guests on, on these kinds of things from neuroscience to grief, to um, raising kids, anything, right? Like all of the stuff. And so I would also recommend kind of checking out that podcast. As we, as we kind of wrap up here, what's, 
What are maybe some ways that coaches, because, you know, a lot of times we're so focused on our team, on our assistant coaches, on our, you know, taking care of other people that we don't take the time to take care of ourselves. What, what are some ways that, you know, as, as we're helping our athletes and our coaches and our program and even our community through these seasons of loss, what are some things that we need to make sure stay on the forefront of our, of our radar, taking care of ourselves? Mm, I love this question for, yes. I think even, even noticing the question and like paying attention is huge. I feel like, I feel like we all get into our professions for reasons, you know, like I'm a counselor, I got into it for a reason, you know, and, and hearing you say that it's like, you know, all the, all that you guys pour out, like, cause I know, you know, you can be, you mentioned earlier, like the soft stuff, you know, we don't have room for that, but really you are pouring out so much of yourselves into all these athletes in the community and then trying to move things forward. And it's a lot, there can be a lot of pressure, a lot of time, so much energy, so much sacrifice, like from family. Like, I mean, you guys give so, 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 so much. Um, and I think that, you know, as you even say that question out loud, I just, I think it's really important to practice what you like to practice this stuff yourself and acknowledge that you need it. Like that you have a need, like I have a need, we all have needs <laughs> and just acknowledging like, Oh, like not forgetting about ourselves in that process. So like I have a need and what can I do with that? Like who, who can I talk to get a couple of like close people? Like, especially like, I mean, we've talked about this, we haven't talked about this here, but like socialization, like typically men and men in like different generations don't share these things. So like there's research on all this stuff. I don't want to stereotype, but I think there is research and cultural stuff to back that up. And so having some like accountability people too, like someone, you know, you can just call up and be like, Hey man, like it was a rough day. Like I'm feeling a little something or like whatever, and just have someone, you know, can listen. And maybe that's a coach group. Maybe that's just one person also a spouse, but we don't put that all on them. You know, we've got to have a little mix there. Um, so I would really recommend knowing like you have the need, you need a little bit of support and accountability to that because your life is going to go, you know, you're coaching, you got a lot going on. And just even that acknowledgement that the same care that you're going to give to those kids, like you also need, like we all need that. And it doesn't exempt us. Like we're not like, you know, out there just being like superheroes because we're helping people. It's like, if we do that, we're disconnected and we're not really going to be able to show up and we're going to burn out. So allowing ourselves to notice like, oh, if I'm giving this out there, like I need to also have it because um, in allowing yourself to see that that's, I think, huge. If you can do that, then you're going to show up because it's kind of how we're wired, you know? Yeah, for sure. Well, Liz, this has been a, a fantastic conversation. Uh, so much, you know, it's such a heavy topic um, that we're that we're trudging through. Um, so, just from the bottom of my heart, thank you for taking the time to to come on here today and just share some of your share some of your knowledge and some of your experience. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah.